First Peter chapter 4, and let's read verses 18 and 19. I'll tell you what, um, let's uh, back up just a little bit. Let's start in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of, uh, the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. <laughs> Somebody will preach on that once in a while, shouldn't they? <laughs> Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. But glorify God. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. So, <laughs> scarcely saved. Preached on this a time or two through the years. Uh, but scarcely saved. We hear a lot about being abundantly saved and we hear a lot about security. A lot of people make a big deal of that and rightly so, I suppose. You ought to know. We do have a no-soul salvation, but, but, we, but when it gets unbalanced to where we don't fear God anymore and when we're so confident in our own self that we, then we're in danger. And every once in a while, we just need to have our chain yanked back into the, so that we can realize what we really are and how close, what a close call we've had and, and what life is as a Christian. He's, the context here is that there's suffering. And I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit there, but, that, that's why we backed up and read it. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. For the, sh the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. So, the difficulty, you know, is not on the part of God. It's on our part. Scarcely saved means that it's done with great difficulty and through many obstacles. You know, you ever thought about how close you come to missing the boat have you ever thought about it <laughs> you know we had the problem is that we had become so entangled in the ways of sin and this world that we were beyond reasoning with you know I talk about this pretty often do you think we're going to talk them into it could anybody talk you into it no, no it's, you get beyond reasoning with when you're full of the world and you're full of yourself and you're full of sin. Nobody can tell you anything. 
And you, you know, if you can't learn, there's no hope for you if you won't listen. We were so engulfed and entrenched in our own selfish lusts and pride that we were blinded to God and His truth and His Spirit. That's why it was such a close call. It wasn't that God was barely able to save us. No, He's abundantly able to save us. But the problem is on our side is because we are so hard to pin down because we're so full of the world and our mind is so corrupt. And You know, that the righteous are scarcely saved means that it just came real close to not happening. You ever entertain that thought for yourself, about yourself? What if? What if I had said no that time? What if I hadn't went there that time? What if I'd never met this person or that person? Those of us who are saved probably don't even realize how nearly we came to being eternally lost. If the righteous scarcely be saved. Is a close call. Is a very close call. Did y'all ever almost have a wreck? A bad wreck? And then realize how close it was? Yeah. Well, I've had some. Yeah, I remember them. Very close. A hair's breadth. That's how it is. We, that's how it is with you and being saved. The righteous scarcely be saved. Came that close to being lost forever. <laughs> how many times before I was saved did I come so close? Oh, Brother Norm, if you ever ran into him, he would always give you his testimony and he had two or three things in his life when he's in the Navy and stuff, he'd tell you that he almost died. But he realized how close he came to going to hell and being lost. Things had to fall in place just right or it wouldn't have never happened. I think about that sometimes. I asked you to pray for some of my friends that I used to go to school with, that I grew up with. And I sit and wonder sometimes how our lives have took different paths and they went here and I went there and I did this and they did that. And I think about different points in my life when I could have married somebody else. That would have changed the whole course of my life. I could have... Yeah, you know, took a job somewhere that I was supposed to do and didn't. That would have changed the course of my life. And it would have, it would have kept me from meeting the people through my life that I've met, from learning the things that I've learned, right. from the experiences that I've had in learning the Word of God and, and in God dealing in my life. That wouldn't have happened. So... The right people had to say the right things at the right times. You're not always ready to hear. People are not always ready to hear. I heard it a lot of times before I was ready to hear. But thank the Lord that I heard it again when I was ready to hear. What if I hadn't? What if I hadn't heard it? What if they hadn't have been there? What if I hadn't have been there? I had to be in the right places at the right times. I think 
through my life that way. Do you ever think that? All the different places you've lived and been, went to church, the people that you've that's had a part in your life, in your life as a Christian. Just think. Do you suppose there are people in hell right now who miss the one service that would have made the difference in their eternal destiny? You reckon? I do. I do. Sure do. Our heart had to hear the right things, and, and that's a miracle in itself. If you're one of the few who hear the gospel presented clearly and correctly, that's a miracle to hear it. Do you know how many have never heard? Oh, they've heard of Jesus, and they've heard of the cross, and they've heard all that story, but they've never heard the real gospel, the plan of salvation, what it's all about, what God was doing, and the whole thing as it pertains to us. They don't know anything about redemption. They don't know anything about Christ and His sacrifice and what He did to atone for our sins and how that all works and what it does for a person. Do you know how, many, how few people know that and understand? I preach to you all the time. And here in John, we're seeing a lot of it where people can, they can know, they can read the Bible, they can know the Bible, they can know all the law of God and be as blind as the Pharisees that Jesus said. That's what's wrong with them. They're blind. They don't understand at all. Our heart had to hear. Because it's with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Had to go deeper than just in your head. Had to reach into your soul. You had to hear with your soul. That just don't happen very often. That's why Jesus said that many shall strive to enter in, or seek to enter in and shall not be able. Strive to enter in. That's why he said that the gate is straight and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Yes, sir. They just don't hear. If you have heard, then you ought to be praising God tonight yes, and thanking Him because you're one of the few that have heard and responded. If we heard the right things, we had to respond in our mind, in our heart, to them. We had to respond. We had to realize how wrong we were and how right God was and how far removed from godliness we were and being like God. How estranged we were. That's hard to get across to anybody in any age. But in this age, it's, it's dark. Let me tell you, it's dark. We, there were hundreds of forks in the roads of our life that we had to take the right one every time. If it, it would have been so easy for us to have been lost. The righteous are scarcely saved. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you just barely got saved. You come close to not happening. Then after we're saved, we, do, we don't fully realize how much spiritual danger we're in day by day. And that's what I was mentioning when we started here. You know, people, 
we just get, and Baptists are the worst about this, I think. You know, they want you to believe you're saved no matter what, just because you prayed a prayer and just because you were baptized, you're saved. With no evidence, Bible evidence at all. You can baptize frogs and dogs and everything else. That don't make them saved. That's right. That don't mean anything at all. Baptism doesn't save you. And a profession of faith that's not real doesn't save you either. No, sir. It, you have to be born again. And the Spirit of God is involved in that. But, and so, there's this overdoing it with the, the security thing, I think. I believe it is. It's, there's something wrong with it when it makes people too sure of themselves and so sure of themselves that they can just continue living in sin and thinking they're all right and never getting right inwardly. You know, it's not, this is not about just stopping smoking and drinking and cussing and being immoral. This is talking about the very, the very essence of your being, who you are, what you are. We're changed from that creature that we were into the image and likeness of God. Inwardly. We talked about that the other night a little bit, about charity. I hope you haven't forgot about that. I've thought about it a lot more since then. It's, it's essential. It is, it is absolutely, without it, we're not like God at all. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. So we're changed from the inside out. That don't erase our fear of God and our reverence for God and our, and our awareness that we need to walk after the Spirit instead of after the flesh and walk in holiness. People just get sure of themselves and they live carelessly. And the Bible is strictly against that. <coughs> We're seldom aware of the times God has intervened to deliver us. <coughs> when the devil would have defeated us. <coughs> Give me a drink of water here. <coughs> the longer we live, the more we'll realize how close we've come to being lost. <coughs> And how blessed we are to still be safe in the fold. <clears throat> Give me a minute. What did John Newton write? <clears throat> Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen. See, that's the right attitude. <clears throat> Of a Christian, you got to realize that if God don't help me, I'm I'm lost, man. I'll, the devil will defeat me. <clears throat> if you think, well, I'm saved, and the devil can't touch me, we used to sing songs like that and teach them to the kids. You know, <clears throat> sending the wrong message, obviously. 
They weren't scared of the devil. They weren't scared of God. And so now they're lost. The adversity and suffering is what purifies and sanctifies the soul that is born of God. That's what these verses before this that we read as we started out here. Talking about the suffering and adversity of Christians. Even Jesus learned, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. (laughs) If Jesus learned obedience by the things He suffered, reckon there's anything for us to learn? Yes. We learn through suffering, don't we? Have you learned anything through suffering? I've learned everything. What does it do for you? Well, it purifies you. It slowly just cuts the world away from you. So where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? All those who've lived after their lust and in opposition to God and the ways of righteousness whose suffering only made them more determined Against God and what's right. <clears throat> Where are they going to appear? What did suffering do for them? Made them bitter, made them hard, mm-hmm. made them angry, and made them more stern in their opposition to God and what's right. Suffering doesn't do that for a Christian. <clears throat> the plan of salvation required wisdom to devise that was beyond that of any man. <clears throat> How could anybody ever believe that any man or men sat down and came up with a fairy tale that they call the gospel now? You know, that it's a fairy tale, what we believe. And Who would have come up? What man would have come up? It's impossible for men to come up with the, the plan of salvation that God did. From the human standpoint, there was no way sinful men could be saved. And what man would ever have thought that God would become a man and die in our place? It would have been presumptuous if it had been thought of by a man. But it was God who devised the only way for sinful man to be saved. You don't think Abraham dreamed it up sitting under a tree somewhere. He just thought of this and then... Told everybody and that's, it just went from there. No. God told Abraham. We read in the book of Galatians where the gospel was preached to Abraham. Abraham knew. He knew about the redemption. He knew about the Lamb of God. That's what Isaac, from whence he received him in a figure. When he sacrificed Isaac, see. <clears throat> he understood So had it not been for God stepping in, man would have had no hope and not one of us would have been saved. (laughs) We're scarcely saved because there's no one but Jesus who would die for our sins and give himself for our atonement. As we read in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, I won't take time to read it, but it's about the scene in heaven when they looked for somebody that was worthy to open the book and nobody was worthy. And everybody was weeping. And then they announced, there is one that's worthy. The Lamb. 
the Lamb of God. He was worthy to open the book. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. We're scarcely saved because of all the obstacles in our own stubborn self that we've put in the way to resist the striving of the Spirit of God with us. Did you strive with God? (laughs) Well, I did. I think everybody else did too. You may want to deny it now, but if you be honest, There was a struggle in your soul. A resisting. uh, Clinging to self. A blindness also in the whole deal. Our self was in the way. I was in the way. And it almost kept me from being saved. That's what happens to everybody. That, that is lost. They, they're all like Agrippa. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But something in the way. Something in the way. Who, what was it? Our pride. Our selfishness. Our unbelief. And love of sin. All had to be conquered or we couldn't be saved. Pride. You ever examine yourself to see if there's any in you? Honestly, we were set to resist the offer of mercy with all the strength we had. (laughs) Barely made it, man, barely made it. Had the Spirit of God not overcome our self-will and stubbornness, we would have been lost. How close we come to being eternally lost when we're finally brought to the point of yielding to God. I want you to know that at that point, I've thought about this a lot. There is a point where the Word of God is presented to your soul by the Spirit of God. And you're given the understanding. And there's and the choice is to be made. The light shines in. And you hear and you understand. And you see. Now, that is where, that's where it's very close. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? There's that point of decision right there that everybody that's ever been saved comes to. I remember being there. Do you remember being there? When it was... What if you'd have just said, no, no, I'm going to wait. So many do. So many do. Just that. They say, I'll just, I'm going to wait a little longer. I want to. I'm going to. But it doesn't happen. Mm-mm-mm. How close did I come to missing the only ship that <laughs> could take me out of my exile and back to God? Whew. My. What if I'd have been offended with somebody? What if I'd have let my feelings towards some person? If I'd have let the devil do that to me, 
And that would have been enough to keep me from saying yes to God. We scarcely say because of all that happens after we're converted too. There's so many temptations and trials that take us right up to the edge of our faith and strength. And we come so close so many times to giving up. Mm. You ever been there? You ever been where it's just like, I just don't know how I'm going to do this anymore. I just don't know how I can do this. You ever been there? You ever been hit so hard? So disappointed, so discouraged, so so disillusioned with people who were important in your life? We're easily... We're, it, it's... It's a daily battle with temptation and snares of the devil. And if we could see all that we barely miss every day, we'd realize how scarcely we're saved day by day. I remember a couple of years ago we were coming this way and we met Elizabeth. And and it was probably, we figured it all up and and, uh, and it, we probably went past there less than a minute before that tree fell across the road. Yeah. I mean... We we went through there and met Elizabeth right down the road. When she got there, the trees across the road. We had just come through there. What if that tree would have... I mean, what if the timing would have been just... Now, if we hadn't met Elizabeth and she told us, there's a tree across the road, we would have not even known it. How many times do you think you've come that close to disaster in your life? Now, I'm not talking about tragedies like that I'm talking about in your soul being deceived being led astray being attacked by the devil and and losing the battle we got to keep listening we're so in, easily ensnared in the world and it's vain things and it's vain words it's a wonder of wonders that we don't all end up back on the road to hell the broad road to destruction we must keep listening to the Spirit of God and we must keep yielding and obeying. See, I wonder why you say things like that because I've seen too many. I've seen a multitude of them over the last 40 years that sat in church and said amen and said I'm saved and shouted at the preaching and, and they're on the road to hell. They're not saved and backslid. They're on the road to hell. You just barely... It's, it's just a close call. So we've got to keep listening to the Spirit of God and we must keep yielding and obeying. Anybody that would preach to you any other way is not telling you the truth. You don't obey one time and pray one time and that fixes your eternity for sure and certain forever and ever. It's not like that. One step of faith gets you in the door. But we, the just shall walk by faith. You don't just get in and then you got a free ride the rest of the way. No, you, it's from faith to faith. That's the Christian life and the walk. And there's suffering and there's all of these things. This tri fiery trial that he talked about here. Don't think it's strange. The concerning the fiery trial which is to try you is some strange thing happened unto you. That's the way it's going to be. You're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to walk close to God. And if you are careless about that, you will not make it. 
How close have we come to going astray and don't even know it, really? How close have we come to being ruined by sin since we believed? You know, there are so many things that I think about. You, you know, you're thinking that, you know, I'm talking about, you think I'm talking about just falling into sin. No, I'm not talking about that so much. I'm just, I think about myself and who all I've listened to. I mean, not just one time, like me and you were talking out there the other day. You know, I've listened to preachers that filled, filled me with a lot of stuff. It's a wonder. How in the world did I survive that? Without, I, I mean, I've, I've been with other preachers who completely, man, they're way off in la-la land now. They ain't even nowhere near. That's true. And the truth anymore. And there was a time... When I was with them, you know, going places with them, preaching with them. Right. <laughs> How come I didn't end up? I could have very easily, very easily. What kept me from it? My wits? No. Because I was smarter? No, no. It's God's mercy. I believe God looks at your heart. And I believe, and I know that's, that's what the Bible tells us. God looks on the heart. And He knows your heart. And, and if He sees an honest heart in there that really wants to be real and true and honest with God, I think He'll protect you from things like that. I really believe that. He'll remove you. He's removed me from fellowships with certain people through the years that it hurt when it happened but I, but years down the road I see I say oh Lord thank you for protecting me it's a it's a treacherous journey y'all get what I'm trying to get across to you tonight here Psalm 94 verse 18 says this. He said, When I said, My foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. How close have we come to being ruined <laughs> by other different things? Well, closer than we think. How many times has it, a, has it appeared to others that it was doubtful we would be able to continue and go, go on past some terrible thing in our lives? Yeah. Yep, been there too. I'm sure there's been times when people wondered, you know, if I'd ever make it. First <laughs> sure. Samuel two nine. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. He will keep the feet of his saints. For by strength shall no man prevail. <coughs> I've been saying, He that keepeth Israel shall not sleep. Well, that's the same God who keeps me. Yes, he won't sleep or slumber. And he, it's his strength. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. 
I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Pretty good promise right there. When shall the ungodly, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That's the question here. If the righteous scarcely be saved, then where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? God works on us all through our lives. And He guides us and directs us and keeps us from all of these dangers and toils and snares by His grace. Where's the ungodly and the sinner going to appear? If the righteous are scarcely saved, even when they're obedient and seeking God's will, how could those who live carelessly and never respond to God's working in their lives ever be saved? You see how far lost they are? I mean, they're not even close. They're missing it by light years. The righteous are scarcely saved even with all the effort they put forth. While the wicked make no effort at all to be saved. And they put all of their strength into fighting and running from God. And being opposed to Him. The righteous give God first place in their lives and are scarcely saved. But the wicked make no place for God at all. Where are they going to appear? Well, they're going to appear. They're not going to disappear they're going to appear somewhere. Where are they going to appear? They're going to appear at the great white throne judgment. And they, they won't cease to exist because Jesus' resurrection guaranteed that all will be resurrected. So the wicked will be resurrected. All of them. And they will appear before the judgment of God to receive their judgment according to the deeds done in their body. Isn't that what it says? Great white throne. Heaven and earth are fled away and they found no place for them. Saw a great white throne. Who's sitting on the throne? And the books were open. All the dead. I saw all the dead, small and great, stand before God. I mean, hell and the grave gave up the dead. Uh, the earth, everything that ever lived, every, every person who ever lived is there to receive the judgment for the deeds done in their body. That's where they're going to appear. They'll appear before the judgment of God and they'll appear in a future state of punishment where they will be eternally punished for their careless rejection of God while they lived on the earth. You ever think about that? We got a list here we pray for. I say pray for these lost people. Do you realize where they're going to appear? you realize what the future holds for them? Do you ever just sit down and close your eyes and block everything out and think about this fact that all are going to stand before God? Every man shall give account of himself to God. All of us. Everybody's going to give account. Jesus said we're going to give account of every idle word that we speak. God's keeping records. It matters. The righteous are scarcely saved. And look where the wicked and the ungodly are going to appear. 
There'll never be a time when it'll be said of them that they're saved. Never. We can say tonight, if we've been born again, we can say, I'm saved. I'm saved from that. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing, as unto a faithful Creator. That's in verse 19 there, last verse we read. Since there's so much danger and the way is so treacherous, we need to trust God to get us through. Yes, I won't make it if God don't help me. Not in this world, not the way things are, not the way it is. You get tired and you get worn down. That's what the Bible talks about, that he, the, in the last days He'll wear down. You know, He'll wear us down, wear down the saints of the Lord. And since there's no one that's capable of keeping their souls safe but God, we should commit everything to Him, shouldn't we? I should trust Him with everything. <laughs> and since God is so faithful and is the only being we know who will completely keep His Word, He's the only one we can trust with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. Let me read you a few verses here and we'll quit. Psalm 37, verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Amen. <laughs> you do all this? Psalm, uh, Psalm 55, verse 22, I, I quote this verse a lot. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Long as you trust in Him, He'll take care of you. See, that's the trick. As soon as you say, I got this, I can, long as you just keep trying to do it on your own and just give God the thumbs up when everything goes well. Ah, uh, there's a point in life where you realize if if God don't help me, it ain't gonna nothing I do is gonna be sufficient. That's right. Won't work. First Peter chapter one and verse five, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in that in the last time. I like the way that the New Testament is written so many times like that. It's, it's this and this and this and this and it's all connected. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last day. Amen. He said a whole bunch right there. Yes, he did. Psalm 121 verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. I've got this little saying. It, it kind of, I don't know, seems like it gets under people's skin when I say it, but a miss is as good as a mile. If you, if you made it, rejoice. Worked in the woods a lot in my life. Had lots of close calls. And 
And if I said, well, a mess is good as a mile, they'd say, oh, you know, well, I believe the Lord protected me. And I just thanked him every time. <coughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Could have been a disaster right there. But I made it. So the righteous scarcely be saved. I need to realize that is a truth. But if I'm one of them, then I ought to be glad. I may have barely made it, but I made it by God's grace. Hallelujah. I'm in. I didn't perish, by the way. Came real close. Could have. But I didn't. Amen. And I'm waiting on him to come. And I believe he's coming soon. Are you looking up in these days? The world's about to explode. Are you looking up? Are you thinking about that? Amen. Yes, sir. We were talking on the way to church and she gets all <laughs> nervous about everything like this. But I look at it and I think, What's this going to lead to? Well, Jesus told us what all these things are going to lead to. And and when you can look at things and see, man, this may be it. What did he say today? When you see these things begin to come to pass? He said there will be distress of nations with perplexity. Men's hearts failing them for fear of the things that are coming to pass on the earth. Uh, the waves roaring. Well, what in the world was he talking about? If things like what we're seeing now, said, well, this happened before. No, no, nope. I think you're mistaken. I think you ought to be getting your spiritual house. You ought to be ready. You ought to be looking. You ought to be watching. You ought to be ready. Yes, amen. Do you have that hope? I mean... No, you better be preparing to meet the Lord. Yes, That's the most important thing. Yes, sir. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the wonderful things that we find in there. Thank you for the wonderful truth. That salvation is such a miracle. But it's such a close call and so many miss it because... It's just uh, it's just so easy for the devil to push us or pull us one way or the other right at that critical moment of of decision and then all of the other forks in the road through our life. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us this far by your grace. And I know that you'll lead us home the same way. Help us to think on these things. Pray you'd work in our hearts and lives in these times and help us to be ready for your coming, which is at hand. Go with us now and get us home safely, I pray. Bless each home. Be these folks that are sick. Bless our church here in Jesus' name. Amen.